Amen. Let us now turn to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5. I've been doing a series of sermons through the Ten Commandments. We are on the fifth commandment, and you'll find this on Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 14. And later in the sermon, I'm going to summarize Moses' commentary on this fifth commandment. And you'll find that turn also to chapter 16, Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 18. That's where the fifth commandment section of Deuteronomy begins. And it's going to go all the way to the end of chapter 18, verse 22. For now, I will read chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is given you. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we pray for your wisdom and your insight into this passage of Scripture into how it applied in Moses' day, but also how it continues to apply to us today. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, when you read about the fifth commandment, about honor your father and your mother, the first assumption that people make is that it only applies to relationships of a father or mother and their children. But actually, as you're going to see throughout this sermon, this commandment applies to any person in authority or any person that has responsibility over another person. Any person in a higher position is in a, is, is in a type of parental position. For example, obviously parents, they rule over a family, but also a governing official like a a town mayor, a president, a congressman, any official in a position with responsibility, this is who it applies to. It also applies to teachers or principals or pastors or elders or deacons. The point is, you can see how pervasive this application of this commandment is. Another way to put it is this way, that God has structured the world with all different types of hierarchy. Hierarchy means that there is a rule of someone in a higher position, and then there's different contexts and different situations where there's higher and lower concerning the hierarchy. In the larger catechism of the Westminster Confession of Faith, it was written in the 1600s. This was the the doctrinal standards of our denomination. Whenever that catechism applies and makes application of the fifth commandment, it uses some old English and it uses the term superiors and inferiors. Well, you may think that's a bad connotation, but it's not. This is simply somebody who's above and somebody who is below. There's parents and there's children. 
There's rulers of society and there's the members of society. There's superiors and inferiors. There's people higher and lower. Now, what I want to point out is one thing that the Apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Don't turn there, but just listen to this. The Apostle Paul mentions how this is the first commandment with a promise. He says in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1, he says this, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. That it may, and he quotes the Old Testament here, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You'll notice when Paul applies this commandment to the church, he gives instructions to children, but also he gives instructions to fathers or to parents. So you can see that this commandment applies to those who are superior or inferior, or who are higher or who are also lower. But let me make a few comments on how the Apostle Paul applies this fifth commandment to the new covenant church and what the significance of this is. First of all, you notice this. There's a comparison between old and new covenant. Old covenant and new covenant. And that is this. Paul even says that the promise of a long life comes with this commandment into the new covenant. Now let me seek to ask you a question and seek to even answer it or suggest an answer. Why is it that the promise of life, an extension of life here, as a general rule of thumb, is attached to this commandment of honoring your father and the mother? And as I kept thinking about it, I would suggest this could be a, a possible answer as to why there's such a promise for life. Think about it. There seems to be an eye for eye graciousness with this commandment, meaning this. Parents are the one who, gave, who have given you life. So if you honor your parents, you're honoring your life givers. Well, as an eye for eye graciousness or recompense of that, you can see how that God honors those with long life who honor their parents. Meaning that they honor the life givers, so God likes to respond by giving them life as well. As I say, it's a general rule of thumb. You can say, oh, sure, there are exceptions to this rule, but the Apostle Paul calls as a promise. God makes the promise. Let us use that to encourage us in honoring our parents. So there's a comparison between Old and New Covenant. But also there's a contrast, or I would say an extension maybe, that shows a contrast between Old and New Covenant here in this and how Paul applies this. Because think of this, Moses. Who was Moses talking to when he received these commandments? He was talking to old Israel. And they were on the verge of going into the promised land. In fact, literally, in chapter 5, verse 16, the word used for land there is ground. It's the word Adama. It's where Adam got his name. And so God says this, Honor your father and your mother as I commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may be well with you on the ground which the Lord your God has given you. 
The Apostle Paul applies this not to old covenant Israel, but to new covenant Israel. And notice what he says in verse 3 of of Ephesians chapter 6. Paul says this, that it may be well with you that you may live long on the earth. Well, where's the city of Ephesus? Ephesus is way over in the area that we call Turkey now. Ephesus is way far from the old promised land. What Paul is doing is that he's taking a promise that was given to old Israel, even the land promise, and he is expanding it. He's removing it actually, from old Israel, and he's given it to the church. And he's even saying that that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth, wherever you are on the earth. I'm emphasizing this right now because we've had many discussions on Wednesday night and in Sunday school about the land of Israel mentioned in 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 the news today. And how does the land of Israel today relate to the church today or the Bible and prophecy? And I've emphasized over and over again that all the stuff going on the news today has nothing to do with biblical prophecy. And that the land of Israel over there today has nothing to do with the Bible. And this is one evidence of the fact that Paul understands that the church is the recipient The church is the recipient of all the promises of the old covenant. The church is the the new Israel that receives the promises of God. The new Israel is the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can see how Paul is extending that here, even as he applies the fifth commandment to the church. Now, let me move on and talk about Moses' commentary On this fifth commandment. And we'll move on to chapter 16, verse 18. And let me explain to you why this is important. Because whenever you see how Moses applies the fifth commandment in his context, it's going to help you understand how it expands to all parts of life in a general way, but also it's going to help you be a better parent, a better person. Let me explain it to you this way. Yes, God says that you are to honor your father and your mother. But it, means, it also means this, that fathers and mothers or all those in parental positions, they are to be honorable. Meaning this, they are to carry themselves in such a way that it's easy for, for their children and for others to Honor them. Now think about this. When you honor Caesar or honor the government, what do you do? You sit there and you angrily write a tax. (laughs) And you may put some, you know, words on there and say, I hate you, whatever. You send it to the government. You honor them simply by you paying your taxes. That's how you honor Caesar. But you're doing it because you have to. But whenever you get into a closer precinct like your home, your dining room, your kitchen, or something like that, 
It doesn't work that way when it comes to having your children honor you. You can't just command it, much less can you force it. It's kind of like love. You can't force love. You can't force a person to respond to you the way you want to, want them to respond. You have to carry yourself in such a way that that person simply reflects or responds in a way that's willing, that responds in a way that I want to love that person, I want to honor that person because I see that person's character. You'll see that whenever, the, whenever Moses applies the fifth commandment, most predominantly when he applies it, he's applying it to everybody in those positions of honor. He's encouraging them to carry themselves in such a way that the people they rule over will respond with honor, will respond with that admiration of respect. So this is how we're going to see how we see Moses apply the fifth commandment. I'm going to give you seven principles that Moses teaches. And this is how you can be a good parent. Now, when I say a good parent, uh, if you have no children, you may be a good employer. Uh, You may be a good teacher. Any position you have of responsibility, all these here apply to you. Or if you're going to be one in, in some position later. Number one, here's what Moses teaches them. And I'm not going to read everything. I'll summarize it. Do not show favoritism or partiality with your judgments. If you look at verse 19, Deuteronomy 16, verse 19, he says... You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality. Nor shall you take a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. Now imagine that. What if you had a bunch of kids and you only favored one? And you show partiality toward one always. Well, that's going to create a lot of problems in your family. Or one student in your classroom and that student is known as the teacher's pet or something like that and you're always showing partiality this is a problem with anybody in a position of rule a position of judgment where they are partial to someone because they like something about that person or he's playing my sport or he has my eyes or whatever it may be and therefore justice is skewed and it's not fair Or they're part of my political party, therefore I'm not going to prosecute them. Or they're part of the other political party, therefore we are going to prosecute them because of that. You can see how Paul, by the way, the Apostle Paul repeats this commandment over and over again to Timothy. Because he's going to be a pastor. And Titus. This stuff is, this impartial, being impartial is mentioned by James, it's mentioned by Paul. Because he's talk, they're talking to people in leadership and influential positions. And if a person judges things with partiality and favoritism, it will compromise their integrity. It will compromise their rule. And it will prevent people from wanting to honor them in their position. Number one, 
To be a good parent, do not show favoritism or partiality. Number two, to be a good parent or in any parental position, have patience with evidence. Or have patience for more evidence. Whenever you look at Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 2 through 7, let me give you the context here in the Old Testament. You may have some Israelite guy worshiping Baal. And there it is. He's worshiping Baal. He's worshiping a false god. And he doesn't want to come back to the true God. And one person comes and says, hey, I saw John over there worshiping that false god. And he goes before the rulers. Well, do you go there and kill him right now? Do you make a judgment right now and have him put to death because he's breaking the law of God? No. You wait. You wait for another accusation. In fact, it's best to wait for three accusations before you make a decision of the judgment of what that traitor, what that idolater deserves. Look at verse 5. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 5. You shall bring out to your gates that man or woman who has committed the wicked thing, and you shall stone them, that man or woman, to death with stones. Whoever's deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. Let me explain to you how this applies to parents. Mommy, Daddy, he did this in classroom. Are you serious? In the classroom, he said that to you? I'm going to go right, right now. I'm going to go tell that teacher what, what, what happened. I'm going to raise heck at the board meeting and the principal. And then you jump into the fire right there and realize, wait, my child didn't tell me the full truth. Okay? Wait for more evidence. Wait to make a decision. That's what, Paul, that's what Moses is doing here with making judgments. Have patience for more evidence of accusations. If you are quickly to respond to the first sound of something, uh, then you're going to compromise your position, your authority, because you're just an impatient, reactionary person. That's what Moses does not want his rulers to be like there in the land of Israel. Number three, here's another way of being a good parent or in a parent parental position. That is, have humility to refer to others. Meaning this, you may have a case come before you and you're like, man, this is hard. This is above my pay grade. This is, this is a challenging a challenging case to make a decision. Well, look at verse 8. Deuteronomy 17, verse 8 says, If a matter arises which is too hard for you to judge but between degrees of guilt or blood, of bloodshed, for bloodshed, between one judgment or another, or between one punishment and another, matters of controversy within your gates, then you shall arise and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses, and you shall come to the priest, the Levites, and to the judge where, uh, and to the judge there in those days to inquire of them, and they shall pronounce the sentence for you. So, this is like a supreme court, a a higher court, a higher professional. Some some cases come before parents, 
And it's a serious issue that they need counseling. They need a, a professional counselor who has gone to school for such a particular diagnosis or a syndrome or a problem or an issue. And one of the worst things a, a parent can think is, I know it all. And I'm not going to appeal to any other resource for help. Well, there's a whole bunch of things where are, at, are beyond our capability. Let me think about education. Do you know calculus? Do you know all of English and poetry, literature and history? This is why it's helpful to sub out education, send them to a school and not, not think that you can do all the education. And that's, it, it applies in so many ways. Have humility to refer to others for help, for judgments, for advice, seek counsel. Don't think that you are omniscient as a parent or in a parental role. Number four, here's really helpful for being a parent or any kind of parental position. Number four, use your possessions for the benefit of those under you. Now, here's, here's the passage. In Deuteronomy 17, verse 14, all the way to verse 20, it's a law about kings. And the problem is, later in the Bible, King Saul, he comes up and he gets everything for himself and he actually oppresses the people under him. And then Solomon comes up in the Bible. He's a great king. He's wise. He's smart. But you know what he does? He says, I want to multiply horses for myself. I want to take women for myself and all that gold and silvers for myself. And that's the start of his fall. That's why it says in verse 16 that the king shall not multiply horses for himself. Verse 17, the king shall not multiply wives for himself and the king shall not multiply gold and silver for himself. What's the repeated word there? Himself. The whole point is that in the time of kings, when that position is filled, the king is going to be tempted to promote himself and use his position only for himself and not for the good of people under him. That's a parental role, that position of a king. Can't you see how whenever a parent, a mom or dad, uses their possessions for the benefit of others, for the benefit of those under them, not simply for themselves. That's how you fulfill a good parental role, using your possessions for the benefit of others under you. Number five, here's a good way to maintain your honor as a parent or in a parental role. Stay faithful to a local church. This is Moses' application. Look at verse eight, chapter 18, verse 2. Chapter 18, verse 2, he says this. The priests, the Levites, all the tribe of Levi shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his portion. Therefore, they shall have no inheritance among their brethren the Lord is their inheritance, as he said to them. In the Old Testament here, the Levites, they don't have land. They don't have that, that inheritance there. They're dependent 
upon the offerings that come in from other people, the food, the sacrifices. And this was like their local church. Going there, bringing their offerings to the Lord, and the priests would be fed, and they would make intercession. You can see how this applies to any parental role. When you honor the Lord, you're going to honor the Lord's church and be faithful to a local church, wherever you go to church. Number six, to, have, to be a good parent or to, have, to be good in your parental role, whatever that is, have a backbone against cultural trends. Look at verse 9. It says this, you, uh, When you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abomination of those nations. And at that point in the passage, it talks about sorcery. It talks about witchcraft and spells and all the other, other abominations. The point you see is this, is that if a person has no backbone, no moral fiber, they're going to be influenced by all the culture around them. A parent who is trying to keep up with the Joneses of what is culturally relevant, of what is actually, you know, culturally approved, and even if it goes against the law of God, then... They have no moral fiber. They have no backbone to stand up against what, uh, what is wrong and for what is right. That's what Moses wants the parents, wants the leaders of Israel to stand against the flow of their culture. This is the function of any teacher, of any principal, of any president, of any pastor, of any parent. Because there's people under them who are going to be influenced. There's people under them that are going to follow their lead. And so therefore they have to have the wisdom to say, that doesn't come into my house. That stays outside. We're not going to allow you to do that. Whatever it may be. That's the backbone that Moses wants his people to have. Lastly, and this kind of bleeds into a little Christmas event of Advent, because the coming of Christ is what we celebrate during the Advent season. And it ends with the Advent of Christ in this passage. Look at 18, Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. My seventh point here, if you want to be a good parent in your parental role, follow Christ and listen to His law first. Verse 15 says this, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. Look at verse 17. The Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among your brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Notice that Jesus Christ is fulfilling that parental role of the prophet. He is the ultimate prophet who tells his church, who <clears throat> guides his church with his word. And that's why to be a good parent, to have backbone, to fulfill that honorable position of whatever position you may fulfill in society, it first comes by following Christ and hearing his law first. 
Because what God is the ultimate parent, so to speak. God, our Father, who art in heaven. And then God puts fathers and mothers on earth to rule under Him. He delegates that authority. And this is why some people suggest, and I do like this suggestion, that the first five commandments actually have to do with your relationship with God. And the last five commandments have to do with your relationship with other people. Because the fifth commandment is corresponding to your relationship with God because God has put people over you in your life. If you reject those authority figures, then you are actually rejecting God. Remember whenever Samuel was the prophet, he was the priest at the time of Israel, and they rejected Samuel's advice to wait for a king. It's not good for now. God said, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And then God gave them King Saul for the first king. You can see how there's a a reasonable argument to see that your relationship with superiors, whether it be your boss, whether it be Caesar, whether it be the government, whether it be your parent, whether it be your teacher, that is a direct reflection with your relationship with God. But also, those of you who are in a position of authority, Moses has given you seven good principles of advice about how you can sustain that position in an honorable way and receive honor, not by force, but just because people want to honor you because you're an honorable parent. You're an honorable person. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your word, your instruction. We give you thanks for how your law is relevant to living a fruitful life. It's in Jesus Christ's name we give you thanks and praise. Amen.